0: Father, uh, we do pray that you would bless this time. God, especially as we look at at, uh, Paul, again, just reaching out to this fellowship that that is being bombarded, Lord, with false teachings and and, uh, just pressure, God, from spiritual people. So I pray, I pray that, Lord, you would give us ears to hear, that we would have insight. And, Lord, I know that it's it's not something that just went on a couple thousand years ago, Same things are going on today by different names and different ways, but it's the same strategy to get our eyes off of Jesus. So I pray, Lord, just draw us close to you and let us hear your heart for each one of us and we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, last time we looked at Colossians, Paul had encouraged the the believers there to stand firm and stay steadfast. So that's kind of the positive of what we're gonna look at tonight, the negative side of things. Something was going on in Colossae. Something happened after, after Paul left. Some things are going on. Some people have come in and they're trying, to, they're trying to get people's eyes off of Jesus. They're trying to get them to look in another direction. And, and listen, I think that same thing goes on today. And what's bad is these people come in and they have this air of spirituality. You ever been around those people? And they, they kind of they start promoting some things and talking about things. And they have, they have you know, a special language that you kind of need to understand. And then they have that kind of jazz voice. It sounds so nice. It's just I really want to get involved in that. And so they kind of they start doing those things. And then all of a sudden, then here's what they tell you. I had this tremendous spiritual experience. And you too can have that that's when we need to be careful so listen this is going on and it's kind of as as i've said here in colossi it's kind of the beginning of what later on became the the movement of the gnosticism and again the gnostics had special knowledge special insight and special uh, spiritual ladder that they had climbed up so kind of that's what's happening but also And so it's not just Gnosticism. Also, this group is kind of taking all of the mystical stuff and then they're mixing it in with a little bit of Judaism because it's always good. Listen, if you're going to give a false teaching, it's always good to mix a little bit of truth in. Just if you want to go out there and be a false teacher, I'll give you some hints. You always want to put a little bit of truth in there so it sounds good, and that's what's going on. So, So they're mixing things up, and here's what's happening. The people in Colossae are going, Oh, oh. Some have either even said that, that this group, and it could be an offshoot if you're familiar with the different sects of Judaism, an offshoot of the Essenes. The Assyrians were kind of, they were real kind of mystical Jews that, that in the a, in a, uh, you know, uh, early first century that were doing some kind of mystical things. And some of them would say, if you worked hard enough, you could get the vision and, and you could see the vision, remember in Ezekiel, do, do you remember Ezekiel and that vision he has of the throne of God and the wills and the wills and the wills upon the wills and the wills that turn in different wills. And, you know, you read that thing and you know, you know he was probably from Bisbee as you read that. You're just like reading that going, man, that is some vision because it's like out there. Well, here's these guys, here's what they're saying. If you get spiritual like us, you can have that vision. Oh, hey, and I think we all want to have, ex- I want to have experiences with God, don't you? I want to have, I want to have intimacy with him. I want to, and so people do that and, and it kind of, and then, and then here's the thing, then they go, well, I've had that experience. So that makes me kind of up here and you kind of down here. So that's what's going on, just the background of what's happening. So Paul, again, last time, it was all about standing firm, hang on to what you believe, hang on to what you've been taught, don't budge, and then here in verse 8, he says, beware, right? So what does that tell us? Something's happening, right? we got to pay attention. Beware lest anyone... Cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So listen, I, I, I look at verse 8 as the big like bong, right? Watch out. And listen, I don't think Paul would be writing this if this stuff wasn't going on. And when he says listen, he says, Don't let them cheat you. Don't let them, don't let them rob from you this relationship with Jesus. Through this empty stuff that they're giving you. And here's something I found looking at other religions around the world they lead to nothing. People get involved with great promises, and then there's a huge letdown because they're lies, they're deceits, they're deceitful. And so Paul here is saying, Listen, be careful. Now, listen, it's not that Paul's anti philosophy. He's anti, we could put it this way, bad philosophy. Because the bottom line, philosophy just means loving wisdom, right? And having and, and studying wisdom. So listen, he's not anti that. He's anti bad philosophy. Because basically what we do here is we have some philosophy about what's going on. So he's not anti that. So, and, and I think we have to be careful that we, we don't get in this camp where all of that's evil. He's talking about the people who were using, and listen to what he says. He says, number one, they're they're using empty deceit, and number two, it's things according to the world, you know, that New King James says, you know, according to the tradition of men and the basic principles of this world. Now, some people say, well, what he's talking about is astrology and stars when he's saying the basic principles of this world. I don't get that. I think he's talking about worldly things and traditions of men. They're coming in, and, and listen, they don't have... They don't have truth. And isn't it funny how nursery rhymes and some of these things start with in a place far, far away, a long, long time ago, this happened. That's what always bothers me when sometimes people go, you know, well, if you look at, and they start going down this journey, and I'm going, I don't want to go there with you. So Paul says, beware, listen, watch out, protect yourself. We need to be people who we're willing to question what anybody teaches us. Listen, it doesn't bother me one bit if you question what I teach you. That's not gonna, listen, it's not gonna take away from me. It's not gonna hurt me. As a matter of fact, I think you should study and make sure I'm okay. Someone said, yeah, someone probably said, yeah, amen. But listen, that's an okay thing to do. And anybody, listen, anybody especially who's a Bible teacher who tells you they don't want you doing that, you need to get away from that person. And you need to stay away. So listen, he says, he says, just beware. And we need to now more than ever, right? Hey, they did not have this magical thing back then that we call the internet. And social media. And all of this stuff. Listen, I think we're more blessed than any other generation with what we have available to us, but it's a double-edged sword. It's also extremely dangerous, all of the false teaching and stuff that's out there that can really suck you in, and especially people who are very gifted at talking and telling you, here's what you need, and here's what you and look what you can have and look what you can get. So listen, he says, just beware. So you and I, we should, you know, if you're a Bible marker, underline just beware. Just underline that part. We need to be people who we are aware of that. And then here's 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 the kicker. Listen, he says, you know, these who come in and try and cheat you, and then he says, not according to Christ. Now listen for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So he says, listen, these guys are teaching against Christ or maybe even adding to Christ. Do you ever have those people that come to you? Is Jesus really enough? Sure, you can believe that, but you gotta get, and here's what bothers me, you gotta get past the cross, there's nothing past the cross. The cross is everything to us. That's what we're gonna to celebrate tonight. We're gonna to, to come to that. So, so here's what he's saying, man. They do that, and then, and then, man, Paul makes, I think, one of the most grand statements talking about the deity of Jesus in all of Scripture. All of the fullness, listen to what he says. All of the fullness of God dwells in him bodily. Jesus is incarnate God. He's 100% man and 100% God. He did not lessen his deity when he became man. And I know that's a hard concept. It's hard for us wrap our minds around. And then it always cracks me up because then you read the theologians who are trying to wrap their minds around something that you can't wrap your mind around. And then they wrap their mind around something that's not true. And you begin to listen. You begin to diminish certain things. You can't take away from the humanity of Jesus because if you take away from his humanity, then he's not able to redeem us and save us. And you can't take away from his deity because if you take away from his deity, he's not able to redeem us and save us. And here's Paul's point. Jesus is what you need, not Jesus and, Jesus, period. And we need to understand and listen, more than anything, we need to get a hold of that, especially in our generation with all of this stuff going on that people want to draw us to. We need to say, wait a minute, is Jesus enough? Absolutely. He's everything, and so, listen, Paul here is saying, in him, and, and I love this, he says, he says, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Like, you can have, uh, someone put it this way, I can go get a jar of the Pacific Ocean, and I have the Pacific Ocean in that jar, but I don't have all the fullness of the Pacific Ocean, are you with me? Because it won't fit in a jar, right? The fullness is, and hey, God dwells in us, but not all the fullness of God, because we can't contain that. But Jesus is the fullness of God, and we need to understand that. So listen, man, he puts that, and then here's what I love. He says, listen, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and listen to this. This is something to underline. You are complete in him. Jesus completes us. He finishes us. We were created to worship God. That's why we were created. He made us to be worshipers. And if you lived your life anytime without God, here's what you know you're trying to, you're trying to fill that void. Because you were created to worship him and you're filling it up with maybe drugs, maybe alcohol, maybe sex, whatever it is you're filling that because you were created to worship him. And the way that we become complete as human beings is we are complete in him. Hallelujah. He fills us up. We're done, man. We're it. And listen, when I read that, I get, I get like, I get excited just in this section. Because here's the thing: these guys are being drawn off into something else. It's just gonna rip them off. I don't know everybody's experience. But have you gone, even after you've known the Lord, have you kind of gone off on a little a little side trail, a little tangent, and start following something else because it sounded so good. Hey, it was about Jesus, but Jesus and. And you start going down that direction and you start following it because you feel like you're missing something because bottom line, your relationship with him isn't where it should be. But this other thing is, oh, yeah. And here's the thing we're drawn to, whether we like to admit it or not, is this thing called legalism. Because when people give us certain things, oh, now if I follow these things and if I do it this way, then I become spiritual instead of by faith accepting what he's done for us. So you start going down that direction and here's what you realize. You're leaving the very thing that completed you. So now you're complete and then not only are we complete, listen, we're complete in him and here's who he is. He's the head of all principality and power. Now Paul's going to develop that because now he's off. I love it, man. Paul makes a statement he goes, oh, let's talk about that for a minute. He's the head of all principality and power. I believe Jesus is over everything. I'm a little naive, I guess, but I just happen to believe that. I believe he's in control of everything. I believe, listen, even right now, today, with this fantastic world that we're living in, it's a little sarcasm, he's in control. And he is in complete control. And you know what, he's working his plan. I wished he would talk to me a little bit more. (laughs) Wished he would like call me, hey Pat, what do you think I should do? Because I am so knowledgeable. Actually, I'm glad he doesn't call me. So listen, man, he's doing it. And either, listen, either we believe the end of verse 10 or we don't. We either believe he's in charge and over all principalities and powers or we don't. Now, Paul, having made that statement, now he wants to get into, listen, he wants to come back to that, and we're going to deal with that in a moment, but first he's got to deal with this whole thing. Why are these guys being dragged over in this direction? What's going on? Because it wasn't just, listen, it wasn't just this philosophical stuff that's going on. There was something behind it and something that caught their eye. Listen, as believers, something has to catch our eye. Something has to pull us away. It's got to be, you know, something that we're tempted towards. So listen to what he says. Listen, here's what he says in verse 11. He says, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by, uh, by the circumcision of Christ. Oh, as he's starting to think about this, here's what he knows. These guys not only were telling him you could have this tremendous mystical experience... But part of this mystical experience had to do with keeping the law. And if you're going to keep the law, hey, we got to start at the very beginning. And we got to deal with this circumcision issue. And you need to be circumcised. And these guys, remember, they're Gentiles, they're not Jews. And so maybe they feel like they're missing something. That's sometimes what kind of gives me heartburn sometimes. Not always, but sometimes with messianic Christianity and messianic Jews and they'll say things and they kind of make sometimes some of them can kind of make you feel like, well, you're a second class because I'm first class because I'm Jewish. That's not true. And they kinda and they and they can tend to do that. Hey, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. My Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We're all the same. And so be careful when people do that. But listen, this is part of what's going on. Hey, you guys haven't been circumcised. You know, if you were circumcised, you know what could happen. Now, here's what's kind of just, you know, so, so false about that. Go back and do a study if you want. Do a study on one. Number one, when God instituted circumcision, but even greater than that, because that's with Abraham, and Abraham had walked with the Lord a long time before he was circumcised, so that didn't, that didn't make him a believer. And that's the problem. Even in Judaism, the circumcision wasn't making you a believer. It was a sign of what you believed, Big difference, huh? So here's what Paul says. He says, listen. He says, this whole thing about circumcision, he's talking to these guys. He goes, this whole thing about circumcision is not circumcision that that you're talking about. It's circumcision made without the hands. It's what Jesus does. When you're born again, according to Romans chapter 6, when we're born again, our old man dies. And we're made new. And we're a new creation I think Jay Vernon McGee said, you're not, a, you know, you're not a remade thing, you're new. Only he'd say it with a Texas accent, my friends. We're new, we're made new. And their problem was they were looking at something else, and he says, and, and I love the way he relates it to circumcision, he goes, hey, he says, you were circumcised of the body of sins of the flesh. In other words, our flesh. And here's what he's saying in Romans chapter six. The old man died. Whenever I talk to people about about being baptized, and even when we do baptisms, I always read out of Romans chapter six. And when we talk about being baptized, listen, it's demonstrating what happened in your life. In reality, when you were born again, when you accept Jesus Christ, that old person dies. Now, sometimes you tell young kids that, and they're like, get like this. And I go, no, for real. The old man in you died, and then you were resurrected with Christ, and you're made new. And that's what Paul is talking about. You're brand new. Oh, he goes on, listen. He even goes on, he says, listen, by the circumcision of Christ, verse 12, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, obviously, if he's saying circumcision physical isn't what counts, obviously he's not talking about water baptism in verse 12. Because if he was talking about water baptism, all he's done is exchange one legalistic thing for another legalistic thing. Water baptism, listen carefully, does not save you. I know some people get real uptight about that, and, but it doesn't. That's called, if you believe that, that's called baptismal regeneration. You think that saves you. Water baptism does not save you. It doesn't even make you more saved. It doesn't even make you better saved. Water baptism is simply an expression to the world that I want to walk with Jesus and it's an expression of who we are and what we're doing. Yeah, and it is an example. The old man dies, gets buried, and when we come out of the water, that's why we do immersion, you come out of the water, you're a new creation in Christ. It's a demonstration of what happened, but it doesn't save you. You guys, if you've been here any time at all, you know what I like to say. Listen. If you're not saved and you get baptized, all you are is a wet sinner, right? So, so you, you're not, listen, it doesn't change things. It's not what saves you. So here's what he's saying. When he says about the baptism, he's using that word in this sense. We've been united with Christ. We've been joined and, and think of it that way. He says you've been buried with him as you were joined with him in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God. We did not raise ourselves to newness of life. God gave us this new life, this new creation. And it's a work of him, not a work that we can do externally. Now having said all of that, if you're really born again, and you've really been given this newness of life, you're gonna live a little bit differently. And for some of us, you're gonna live a whole lot differently. But your life is going to change. It always bothers me when some people say, well, you know, all you do is add Jesus to your life and what you were doing. No. That's not a reality. If you're born again, you're going to see things differently. I know in my own life how radically I was changed from the night when I accepted him. If you've been here, you know I didn't, I've never, I've never. Responded to an altar call. I've not raised my hand in church. I've not gone forward. I got saved in my bed. I think that's okay. Kind of worked. But I remember calling on the name of the Lord and the next morning, how different things looked. Because I was born again spiritually. And maybe all of us don't go to that extreme, but the one thing I remember is that morning I picked up the Bible and it had changed radically. The Bible hadn't changed, I changed. And listen, I was a new creation. And I'm different, and I started living different. I started changing things in my life because I wanted to live close to God. I wanted to be near Him. And as I grew in understanding of who He is and an understanding of who I am, more things changed. And now, 30-some years later, guess what? Things are still changing in my life. I see things and I go, oh, I need, to, I need to deal with that. That's something that I need to look at, something I need to do. I'm not there yet. Maybe some of you are perfect. If you are, would you sign my Bible tonight after the service? But listen, we're growing and changing, but we need to know something. You don't just add Jesus to your life. You let Jesus change your life. And this work of God begins to change us. And and Paul, listen, is telling these guys, get out of this works mode and trying to fit into this mold and trying to reach nirvana by doing such and such and just get involved with Jesus and let him begin to work in you. And then listen, and he goes a little bit further. He says, verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses. Now, I know some people don't like that terminology. Before you're born again, you're dead. You're not dead dead but you're dead, you're dead to spiritual things. You're dead in your trespasses, you're dead in your sin. If you got born again later in life, isn't it amazing how things that you were doing, like before I got saved, I could sin real easy. It's like falling off a log. And then after you get born again, all of a sudden you look at that and you go, why would I do that? Why would that be part of my life? And so here's what he's saying, because you're dead. You're dead in trespasses. You're dead in sins. You don't know what's going on. And he says, so he goes, you guys, he says, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, again, not not our flesh and blood, but what Jesus taking away that, that old nature, he says, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses. Oh, there it is. There's the glory of our salvation. If you're really, really going to underline something, underline that. Do you do you believe that tonight that He has forgiven all your trespasses? Hallelujah. I remember when I was in my legalist state, and I've shared with you guys I was the legalist for a while, and You know, I wasn't, I was pretty sure I was going to heaven, but I wasn't sure about anybody else. Everybody was very suspect. And, you know, even I I feel bad for my wife. It's a wonder she put up with me. But, you know, I had this whole thing going on and stuff. And I was listening to different legalistic guys. and, And it's funny, I think I've told you guys before, I would listen to these legalists hardcore. And then, and I would get just beat down, just like, oh, man, what a, what a horrible individual. As a Christian, I am. And then I would put on Chuck Smith. Amen. And he would just teach the Bible, and I'd go, oh, that feels so good. And then I'd go back to the legalistic guys. And I don't know why i do it, but, but I remember one talking about all of our trespasses are forgiven. I believe that. There was a time where I didn't. And I remember this one guy I listened to. He goes, "Seriously, seriously, you think like when you when God looks at you, you just hold up a cardboard Jesus and you hide behind it and you're okay?" And and I remember thinking, "He's right, man. We got to be people. We got to be holy people. And none of us can be holy people, right?" Some of you are not sure. If you're again, I have a Bible. You can sign it. So listen, man. And you do that. And I and and I remember that guy would just then beat you down. And and he would make this statement. The only way you can have the Holy Spirit living in you is if you're holy, because he's holy. And here's what I knew deep in my heart. I wasn't holy. And that's defeating. But what what does the Bible say? He's forgiven all of my trespasses. Not past, not just present, but future. Yes, yes, that's my God. And listen, man, we get trapped in that other thing. And then, listen, man, it takes us so, so listen, he's forgiven all of your trespasses having, I like this, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. Woo, yeah. Because you know, every time you sin, then you had some wages building up, right? It's like one person said, you got this whole book of IOUs. And here's what Jesus did with one swipe. <laughs> Paid in full. Yes. Wiping out the handwriting. And I think for them, maybe it was a little bit more of a visual for them in their generation, the way their, their, their scrolls were made and stuff, and the ink that they have, like our ink today. and, and not many of us study ink, right? Our ink today has a bit of acid in it, so it burns in and it becomes part of the paper that we write on. They didn't have all of that, so it was easy to take a scroll and go, and it's gone. That's what he's talking about, man. It's just wiped out. It's like a, it's like a whiteboard, right? And you just wipe it off. And he says, that's what happened. Listen, that's what happened for you and I. Everything we owed, everything we did, wiped off, yes, yes. He says, he did it, and how did he do it? Listen, he did it by, he says, all of it was wiped off, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Oh. I don't know about you guys, but I read this section here, and I think, why would I believe anything else? Why would I go any other direction And if you've been around much, if you've watched much, I've been blessed because I've been up close and personal with other religions. I've been to the most holy place for Hindus and watching Hindus do what they do, trying to get to the place where they're okay. And everyone, I've been, I've been in one of the temples of Buddhism in Thailand and, and seen what they try to do to appease their God. I've watched tribal people do weird things trying to get their God's attention and, and do bizarre things and here's what I think. I watch all of that and I think, man, my God took my punishment and nailed it to the cross and all I have to do is believe him and trust him. I don't have to climb a mountain and do certain things. I don't have to dip my, my, my whole body in the Ganges River and, and drink some sewer stuff. I don't, have to, I don't have to mess around. I don't have to do any of that stuff because my God, my God took my punishment. Now, I read this, and here's what I think, and, and this is kind of bad. This is true confessions. And maybe you're here tonight and you're not a believer and I'm going to make you really mad. But you got to be pretty stupid not to go with this. Come on. And I know you're not supposed to use that word. That's why your kids are over there. They would never use that word over there. But we use it in big church. Why would you not believe this? Here's why. Because we want to have control. We wanna have something that we can do. We wanna be part of it because it's just the way, that's the way our sin nature is. And I wanna be able to take some credit. I wanna be able to do something. You know, when you come to heaven, you're not gonna take any credit. You're not gonna come up to Jesus and go, woo, look what I did. You're gonna come up to Jesus and you're gonna go, thank you, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for what you did. That's what we're going to do here in a moment, coming to the table. So listen, man, he says this. He's not quite done. Listen, he's nailed that to the cross. Now check this out, because this is the part I think we're the weakest on. Listen to verse 15. Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing uh, triumphing over them in it. Jesus, listen to what this says. What did Jesus do? He disarmed the principalities and powers. They have no power over us. And what do we do? We give it back to them. They come and whisper things in our ears and come and drag us in certain ways. Do you know that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world? Saints, in reality, Satan has no power over us. I'm not saying he's not powerful. I'm saying he has no power over us because Jesus disarmed him. David Wilkerson said it best. He says, when the devil comes and knocks on his door, he turns around and says, Jesus, it's for you. (laughs) Some of us think we can fight the devil. I I, kind of... I kind of chuckle at some of the discernment ministries and some of the stuff. You know, you gotta fight that devil. Well, last time I checked, he's a defeated person. And here's what he says. Jesus took that power away from him. Not only that, Jesus made a public spectacle of them. As he says this, listen, the, all these people, now for us, it's not something that's that, that, that vivid for us, but for all of them, here's what they're thinking. In, in the Roman world, when they conquered someplace, they would take those people, they would take everything, the rulers, everybody, and they would make a public spectacle, and they would have a big parade. The conquering army would go for, for first. The generals and stuff would go, whoo, look how great we are. Then the conquering army. Would go, then all of these they defeated would hobble by and go by, and everybody would sneer at them and make fun of them. And hey, they've conquered them. That's what Paul is talking about here. And yet, most of us, here's what we go, well, you know, I don't know if that's absolutely true. Why not? Why is it not true? It's in the Bible, isn't it? He didn't say, listen carefully, he didn't say, according to the way I read it, he didn't say, hey, he disarmed. Some of the principalities and some of the powers. It says he disarmed them, period. And we need to be people who believe that. We need to be people who we believe we have given, we've been given power over sin. It no longer has power over us, we have power. And as you begin to believe that, you're gonna sin a lot less. But if you still believe that has power over you, you're gonna give in to it. And Paul here is saying, man, it's just the opposite and we should be believing it and we should know that he's done it and we should know that he has triumphed over evil. My God isn't going to win, he's already won. Amen. And I need to walk in that. Again, not, listen, I'm not talking about being weird and getting out there, I'm talking about your personal life. And what comes against you in your personal life. And the things that we deal with. The things that we have trouble with. We need to understand who we are in Christ. And we need to understand we've already got victory in those areas. And we don't have to give in to that. Oh, Romans chapter 8. Hey, for homework. For homework. Read Romans chapter 8 along with this. Because in Romans chapter 8, he ends that whole chapter telling us the victory that we have in Christ. Nothing Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Do you know what nothing is? It's nothing. Now, I want you to read the rest of it because he even, listen, Paul even lists it. Neither height nor depth, neither angels nor principalities, nothing. He goes on and on, and, and then people will say, well, maybe I want to. You're part of something, and nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. And that's what he's telling us the same thing here. He says, we have victory over that. We need to understand that. So... Church at Colossi, or Church in Wilcox Drive (laughs) beware beware because here's the thing he has no power but he doesn't know that and things are going to come against you and cults will come and try and rip you off other Philosophies will come and try and rip you off and sound so, so smart. I read a thing, I think, I can't remember which commentary, I think it was John MacArthur had this commentary of this paper this guy wrote, a philosophical thing, and I was gonna try and read it, but it was so long, and it was so full of words that (laughs) were hard to pronounce and words I've never heard before, and listen, his point was this person wrote this paper trying to sound smart and philosophical. And after I read it, I went, I just learned nothing. And that was the point. It's empty. It's empty. It sounds so good. And especially if you're more into the, you know, if you're more intellectual, it just went, whoa, why wouldn't I go with that? Because it just said nothing. It was just a bunch of words strung together. Oh, and it was one long sentence too. That bothered me. It was like a whole page in a book, and it was one long sentence. It was like a Paul sentence. It's okay if Paul does it, but this guy shouldn't. And and it's empty. Beware. Watch out, because people come with the best sounding stuff, and it's empty. I've said it many times when Jesus is all you have, then you realize Jesus is all you need. He's all we need. Let's don't come to that point. Let's go into it. Jesus is all I need. I don't need anything else. I don't need Jesus plus something. I don't need Jesus and something. I don't need Jesus alongside something. I don't need Jesus to come alongside my life. I need Jesus to take over my life and rule and reign in my heart. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the challenge in your word. And Lord, as we, as we do read it, there's, there's things that we read that are sometimes, sometimes just a little bit hard for us to even, even accept. And yet I know, number one, that's why they're written down, so we can read them and reread them and reread them and reread them. We can pray over them. We can think about them, meditate on them. But Lord, I thank you for this thing that we call the victory that we have in Christ. I thank you that as we read tonight that you have taken all of my sin and you've paid the price for it. None of it is, none of it is lingering. None of it is still held over my head. I am free from the bondage of sin and I'm free from that power. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that we would know that, we would understand that, and we would believe that. And God, that you would be glorified in our lives. I pray that as we come to your table, again, this would be a time where we just have intimate fellowship with you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.